Today on Fifth and Mission, violence in Oakland and why some Black community members are saying there may be a role for the police in implementing safety. I'm Cecilia Lay. Things are really, really serious in Oakland right now. Gun violence is way up, and a recent Chronicle analysis found that the city accounted for three-quarters of the Bay Area's surge in homicides. Some activists and elected leaders say the increase in violence is due to a number of factors, including job loss and the pandemic's economic pressures, as well as a decrease in violence reduction programs. But whatever the cause may be, the immediate question is, how do we keep people safe and alive right now? After a year of calls to defund and abolish the police, the Bay Area Black community is now grappling with whether the police are part of the problem or the solution. The Chronicle's Justin Phillips joins me to talk about his latest column, which you can read at sfchronicle.com or on the Chronicle app. It wrestles with these very complex questions. He writes about race and inequality, among other things. And he's also the co-host of Extra Spicy, the Chronicle's food and culture podcast. Justin, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited about this. Yes. Podcast hosts meeting for the first time is what's happening. <laughs> I know. This is a special moment people are getting to see. This, this is a big deal <laughs> if they didn't know. So, Justin, I want to talk about something that you witnessed recently. You went to an Oakland Police Department-sponsored event at Lake Merritt, and that ended up clashing or overlapping with an anti-police group. What did you see happen? Yeah, it was really interesting. So the event itself was Stand Up for a Safe Oakland. It was sponsored by the Oakland Police Department. There were families there that were talking about loved ones that they've lost to gun violence. And these were mostly like black families that were taking the stage to talk about it. And, you know, during that event, there was another group that came uh, that were clearly anti-police. I would hear later that they weren't part of any specific group. Uh, They showed Mm -hmm. up on their own, but they had signs that were like, you know, police are domestic terrorists. Uh, They read the names of people that were killed by police in Oakland um, Mm -hmm. and throughout the Bay Area. But, you know, the, the clash happened because the families that were on stage were talking about gun violence. They wanted that safe space you know, near Lake Merritt to be able to talk about what they were going through and what they hoped their community would address. And the fact that this other group came and shouted over them was problematic, Mm -hmm. you know, because you have already people in this space that are, they're publicly grieving. Like that's an, that's an intimate thing to do and have someone interrupt Mm -hmm. that, you know, it's tough to see. So that group came, they were, they were shouting out names, shouting out anti-police stuff, people from the stand up for a safe Oakland event came over there to confront them, you know, tell them to be quiet. The anti-police people were arguing back. This exchange, it kind of popped off like several times, you know, Mm -hmm. for various amounts of time. But I got where the people were, you know, where the Stand Up for a Safe Oakland rally attendees were coming from. Like, you want that space Mm -hmm. to be able to talk. It was just, there's a time and place for everything, right? right? And that just wasn't the time and place. And it exemplifies this tension in Oakland right now. And You mentioned that there were families there, and one person who was present was Wanda Johnson, who's the mother of Oscar Grant, who was killed by BART police in 2009. That might be surprising for some people to hear that she was there, present at a police-organized event. What does her 
presence sort of say about how the black community is thinking about policing and safety right now? Right. That's a great question. Uh, It shows that it's complicated, right? Like Mm -hmm. if there's anybody, I mean, there are a lot of people who have lost um, loved ones to gun violence from police specifically. But if there's anyone who's had to publicly relive her experience so many times and you could understand if they didn't want to be around law enforcement, it would be Wanda Johnson. But I think the fact that she's there shows how extreme the current situation we're in is. Like when it comes to gun violence, it's not so much what can we do six months from now. Wanda someone who knows that in our communities it needs to be addressed immediately. And mm-hmm. in that space, it might mean, you know, leaning on police Or I think a really great way that she talked about it was like proximity to police. You know, she came Mm. to the event to support families that were speaking, but also to keep an eye on law enforcement. You know, Wanda preaches reform. She wants to see police trained better. And And since she's well known, her presence there shows that there is an element of the community that's holding them accountable for what they're doing. So she likes to show, you know, she likes to be there and be a figure. And, Mm. you know, her presence shows that the situation is complicated, but it also shows that there are black community members that are like, you know, man, there aren't a ton of options, but we're going to be here. So law enforcement sees that we are watching. We want them to be better. Right. So is this proximity to police that you're mentioning, is that about police accountability or is that about potential collaboration i think it's a it's a little bit of both right Mm -hmm. like being there and being able to question what they're doing uh shows accountability it shows the effort to hold them accountable to a specific standard but if you can do that often enough you know and do that in the right way and they improve maybe there is space for collaboration there Right. And so you have people that might work with police to be, you know, community ambassadors or, you know, help law enforcement ingratiate themselves with specific communities that may not trust them. Like there are people that are around law enforcement that are preaching accountability that also see space for that. So, I mean, it's it's such a unique time. It isn't something that you see you're you're going to see always. It isn't something that's like really familiar to a lot of us right now. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it's people being really, really desperate for answers and solutions um, while gun violence is rising. Yeah. So critics of the police or people who have been critical of the police in the past are now maybe willing to be alongside police in some way, shape or form. What does that say about how bad things have gotten in Oakland? Can you say more about the uniqueness of this moment. Yeah, no, it, I mean, it, it says a lot. It, it, I feel like, you know, we've had violence in the city before, but mm-hmm. once you're getting to levels that are notable, when you can be like, man, it's been X amount of years since we've seen so many homicides, it's been X amount of years since we've seen so many shootings. Once you get to that point, you're in familiar and both unfamiliar territory. Mm-hmm. And so, I'll be the first to say that I'm skeptical of police. You know, as a black man in this country, I have not been given many reasons to trust them. And this is coming from somebody who grew up with uh, a father who was in law enforcement. Like, I knew law Mm. enforcement in my youth. Like, I trusted those Mm. guys, but not every cop was my dad or my dad's buddies. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, like, Mm -hmm. in my experiences after that, 
you know, if it's being profiled, if it's being uh, stopped because you look like a suspect for doing blah, blah, blah. Like, there's no real reason to trust them. But death shouldn't feel familiar. Like, mm-hmm. gun violence shouldn't feel as close as it feels for black people living in Oakland. And we've tried, you know, it, 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 we've had, we have a history of of trying to fix our own communities, right? Like, we're on the streets. There are a lot of, there are a lot of black people who are doing the work. But right now, it seems like those solutions, the ones that take time, are hard to really lean on when you need something that changes it tomorrow. So it's just, yeah, it's just violence just feels very, very prevalent. I mean, the shooting at Juneteenth, I went out to Juneteenth for that, right? And, Mm -hmm. and, And so here's a quick story about that. I went out to Juneteenth for that. And before I went... I went to my barber shop. I got my hair cut because I was like, I'm going to go out there that night. I talked to my barber. He was saying the same thing. Both of us are black. He was like, I'm going to be there at this time. I was like, I'm going to go a little bit earlier, hopefully run across each other. I left before the shooting happened, uh, but I found out that he was there when it happened. And mm. the interesting thing is before we parted ways after the haircut, when we knew we both were going to be at Juneteenth, we were both like, all right, man, be careful out there. Like, hmm. we say that to each other all regularly, but I look back on that being like, man, I, I wonder kind of what we meant. And I think we both knew what we meant. Just like, be safe, just in case something happens, just in case something pops up. And so when I saw him after that, we kind of talked about that, you know, like, yeah. man, being worried about the vibe, being worried about uh, getting caught in a situation. And the fact that something did happen, like, that shows you how close this violence is to a lot of black people. It's, it's a tough situation. Like, it's tough. Yeah. And I wonder when you're saying be careful out there, what are you saying to be careful from? I think we're talking about violence in the community, right? Like, And it's a little bit of everything. If I was going to go on a trip, let's say I'm going to go up to Lake Tahoe or something. My barber might be like, you know, be careful on the road, right? And part of it is just like, don't run into any police. Like, don't get pulled over. Just be careful. Like, I know up there they might not, they might trip on a black guy that's driving around. But in your neighborhood, when someone's like, all right, bro, be be safe. Like, you know, be careful. Like, hit me. Keep me posted. That kind of stuff is just talking about random violence. Like, that's just part of existing, you know? Just just Mm -hmm. be safe. Be careful. Like, know your surroundings. It's crazy that we have to have those kind of exchanges. But, you know, I think if you talk to a lot of... uh, Black Oaklanders of of a certain age, they'll be like, yeah, you know, I tell the homies all the time, like, be careful. You're listening to Fifth and Mission. You can support this show and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. The source of violence against the Black community is oftentimes the police itself. And now some people might be willing to think about police reform as an approach to solving these issues. Why might that work at this point rather than abolition entirely for some for some people? Yeah, that's that's a great question, too. So like and one thing that you'll hear from gun violence victims, uh, especially folks that were that were speaking at the stand up for a safe Oakland event is, yeah, you know, police. We are victimized by police. Police do shoot us and kill us. Like that, that we know that. But also, there's a lot of us getting killed by each other. 
And that's something that really hits home. And it's a, it's, it's hard to talk about, but it's the same reason why people at that event were, you know, chanting, stop killing our kids, you know? Mm -hmm. And part of that is like aimed at police. Sure. Part of that is us telling our communities, like we got to take care of each other. Right. So it's like self accountability for the most part. And I think right now, why, um, you know, if it's like a thin temporary allyship, if it's being able to work with law enforcement, the, the reason why that could work and the reason why, you know, the idea of reform works is because abolition isn't going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen mm-hmm. like three months from now. It might not happen six months from now. It might not happen a year from now. It might not happen at all. Like, I understand the calls for it. But a lot of these, you know, anti-violence activists who don't preach abolition are like, what's realistic? And realistic mm-hmm. is holding police departments accountable, you know, monitoring their budget, seeing how much money they get, seeing how that money is allocated. That's realistic. And so they want to work in that space. And I feel like, you know, that could work because it feels realistic. You know, I, th- I think mm-hmm. that's all it comes mm-hmm. down to is like what right. what might actually happen soon. And reform can happen way sooner than I think ridding a city of a police department. That's just my thinking and how this conversation has been going. But that's what it seems like. Yeah. And it's an, I'm sure it's an evolving way of thinking about things. I mean, at the end of the day, does this boil down to because violence is so bad right now and there is so much fear in the community, does this boil down to just a sense of urgency and needing immediate solutions rather than this slow-moving institutional change? Can both of those things happen at the same time? Yeah, that's that's a great point. Yeah, so right now, it needs to be change that happens quickly. Because even in the process of me writing that column, there were multiple shootings. Like, mm-hmm. next week, I'm sure I'm going to get hit up about another funeral, another shooting. There's going to be another family I'm going to talk to. That stuff is happening every day. Something quickly needs to change. Now, in the long term, we can still continue to have the conversations, I think, about reform, about community building, about these efforts that are less uh, punitive on the Black community when it comes to policing. All of that stuff can continue. And even, you know, and even if they merge in some way with abolishing police departments, like the idea is what permeates all of these things is, you know, accountability now and accountability in the future. It's, it's weaved into all of these conversations and they can continue to happen. But right now, like what's going to keep me and some other family from having to hear about a friend or a cousin or a brother or a parent getting killed before the end of next week, before the end of the mm-hmm. week after that. Like that's that's the thing that's important right now. And after a year of Black Lives Matter protests around George Floyd and the whole nation weighing in on issues of race, it also seems like what's happening right now in Oakland is also a moment for the Black community itself to have difficult conversations with each other, not just right. with the larger nation, everyone weighing in with their own takes, but it sounds like the Black community is having hard conversations with each other about the best approach or how we move forward. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, a lot of this is like, what can we do better? And mm-hmm. that's one thing that, you know, I think the Black community does well is introspection. 
You know, mm-hmm. there are plenty of things that happen in this country that pa- that cause us to pause, talk to each other, talk about our role in it, what we're doing. But in Oakland, for sure, like you can definitely see people. There's people of different generations that are getting into the community to talk about, you know, to talk to at-risk youth of younger generations. Like that's something that's happening more of. There's more of a dialogue and it's being led for sure. These conversations about gun violence are being led by older black folks in Oakland in our community. And I think that's important, but Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, yeah, I think the conversation happening right now is really good. It could be very fruitful in the long run. The fact that we're looking at what we can do in this moment. And that's super important. Like we have a role in this too. And it also seems like the Black community will also decide what role the police will have and what kind of permissions they provide the police in terms of being closer to to the community. Is that right? Yeah, 100%. Look, that's one thing. Black people in this country know history and how that history has affected us as a people, right? Like, we understand that police departments in this country have roots in slave patrols, you know, from generations ago. Like, this system at its core was built to victimize us. So now, like, we are going to have more of a role. We're going to make sure that we have more of a presence and more of a seat at the table to dictate what that institution looks like in our communities. And, you know, uh, it's understanding history and um, trying to plot a better future. Justin, I love your columns because it always gives all of us an opportunity to peek into these issues through your perspective, which always feels very grounding. So thank you very much for talking to me about it today. Oh, my God. Thanks. Thanks for saying that. And uh, and this was this was a very, very good conversation. I appreciate it. Thank you. Justin Phillips is a columnist for the San Francisco Chronicle. You can find his column about Oakland violence and the police on sfchronicle.com or on the Chronicle app. Be sure to also check out Extra Spicy, the food and culture podcast he co-hosts. It just published its season two finale today. Thank you to King Kaufman for producing this episode. And thanks to you for listening. 